Good morning to each one of you. I bring you Christian greetings from Waterworks, as uh, Leanne already mentioned. Um, on the way to church this morning, we, uh, I asked, we asked my son Emerson where we're going to church, and he said, Waterworks. And uh, I think after coming here to Myerstown for so many years, and uh, two Sundays ago we had uh, canceled, and then we were at Waterworks last Sunday, and here we are back again. I think they were probably a little confused as to where we go to church. <laughs> But um, they'll soon learn, and I am really excited to be here this morning back with you all. Um, I will say on behalf of the Waterworks congregation, I thank you for your offering this morning. It is a blessing. If you would turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 for um, a beginning ch uh, chapter here to the message. <clears throat> Our, our Sunday school teacher, Eddie Weaver, went to uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, briefly, and we looked at verses 3 um, and, and down through, uh, touched a little bit on, on spiritual gifts. I had planned just for verses 1 and 2, so thank you, Eddie, for that. Let's read uh, Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now I'm going to read this over this here one more time, and I'm going to leave one, leave one word out and see if it changes the meaning of, of the uh, the text here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I left one word out there, and I'm sure most of you know or seen what it is, and that word is holy. Does it make a difference in the meaning of the text when we take out the word holy? A living sacrifice acceptable to God. Um, I believe it kind of puts a new meaning to the word, to take out the word holy. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I've, uh, the title is, uh, the message is, A Holy Living Sacrifice. As we think about a sacrifice, can we be a living sacrifice and not be holy? I believe we can be a sacrifice and not live a holy life. We can, we can give our body to be burned and, and not live a holy life. Is that possible? I, we, there's many things in life that we can sacrifice. We can, we can do, uh, uh, sacrifice a lot of things and not live holy. So when we, when we put holy, a holy living sacrifice, it kind of put, it, it, it puts a different meaning to, to the word. It gives a, a sense of, a pure sense of the word living sacrifice. And I want to focus on that a little bit this morning on the word holy. Um, I want to look a little bit at what God thinks of, the, of holy and then look a little bit at what sometimes what our perception can be of holy. And the last point I want to look at uh, evidences of a living sacrifice. Um, so as we think of all the attributes of God, there's many attributes of, of God. And holy, the word holy seems to take the center stage in, in all the attributes of God. And we will see that as we, as we go on here. The first point, God's view of holiness. 
As I mentioned before, it is the most used attribute when referring to God. And it's very important to notice how many times in God's word, holy is mentioned. Um, Last Sunday was Valentine's Day. It was a day to reflect on love. It's a lovely time of the year. I always always like when Valentine's Day comes. I think, I don't know who who, uh, started Valentine's Day, but maybe it was to help them get through the winter. I don't know. Just something to look forward to right in the middle of winter. But Valentine's Day is a day that we, re- we reflect on love. And love is, is, God is love. God talks a lot about love in, in uh, his word. And it's very important to God. Love is so important. Um, love is mentioned, or love or loveth, I did a word search, and they're mentioned 343 times in the Bible. The word love and loveth, or loveth. And um, I did a search on holy and holiness, both of those words together, and it was quite a bit more times that is used. Um, 615 times the word holy is used in the Bible, approximately right around there. And I, I, in, in, the, in the load search, it actually gave warnings. It's like, warning, this may take several moments to load all the, all the, all the results of the search. And as I was thinking about that, you know, that kind of grabbed my attention, you know, to how many times it's used in the Bible and what God thinks of what, how God views holy and holiness. Uh, it's used a lot of times in the Old Testament, uh, many times in the New Testament as well. And God is holy in his purest form uh, of holy, and he asks each one of us to be holy. Um, Leviticus 11 verse 45 says, For I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And so he's asking us to be holy. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about how can we be holy in our state, in our fallen state of sinful um, humanity? Can we be holy? Can we live lives that are holy and acceptable to God. Um, And God, who is completely holy, fully holy, and absolute holy, and he, in fact, and yet he demands us to be holiness, to to be holy, and we will get into that uh, a little later. But maybe you cringe, maybe, at the word holy. What what comes to your mind? Do you, does it kind of give you a negative connotation, maybe, or um, just... Maybe you don't like to, hear, to be called holy. If that is per, your perception this morning, I want to attempt to change that. It is not a word to be afraid of or, or to, look, to look down on, unless we are running from God, of course, and um, we don't want God a part of our lives. Uh, but it's a word that describes the beauty of God. And it's, it, it's, it's so amazing that we can attain holiness and we can... Come to God, acceptable to God as a living, holy sacrifice, and be accepted by him. Turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. It's an amazing chapter here on on, um, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 5 at this time. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So as we think of, of what Isaiah seen here, I'm not sure if it was a vision or if it was a dream or, or what it was, but, but he's seen this, this vision or, of, of, the, of these seraphims, these, these heavenly beings that were, um, it says they were, they, were, they were flying, they had six wings, and they proclaimed, holy, holy is the Lord. And this is the only place in the Bible that I'm aware of that it mentions seraphims. Uh, these, these heavenly beings. And <clears throat> Isaiah, as, as he was witnessing this, as he was, uh, um, as God gave him this vision, I wonder how he felt, what, what he felt um, of, as he seen this. And Isaiah, I believe, um, for the first time realized who God was, his, God's holiness, as he experienced that. And he also understood who he was. When he seen that, when he seen these, uh, this, this glorified vision of this, he, he immediately turned, he immediately thought of his own sinfulness because he right away says, woe is me, I am undone. Incomplete. And <clears throat> he also thought about the society around him too. Um, it's, it, it mentions in the midst of, a, of the people of unclean lips. So he, know, he realized his own sinfulness and, and the people around him. And the society around him, I'm sure, at that day was corrupt, just as it is today. And God here was, gonna, was giving him a message. It was a message from God that um, the cities would become desolate. If We're not going to look later on to it, but the cities would become des- desolate because of their continued... Uh, disregard for God and, and, and falling away from God. It was a hard message for him to bring. But when he seen the glory of God, he immediately went to the sinfulness um, around him and, and even his own lost state of mind. And, and that's, I believe, what the presence of God does. It reminds men, it reminds us of our need for him, for our need for God. And... Um, God's holy presence exposes and reveals anything that is not holy. And so here it brought him to a place of repentance and and awe before a holy God. And it it, it mentions in verse 4, it says, the post of the door moved. They they moved out of place. It just just, um, adding to the sense of the power of God. Verse, verse 6 and 7, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. So, 
as he seen, as his heart was melted here, and he seen, he realized his own um, incompleteness, um, he was brought to his knees after, um, after getting a glimpse of God's glory. And as these seraphims here illustrated by that, placing the coal in his mouth, um, illustrated how God purges us and how God brings cleansing. And I appreciate the thought of the snow, whiter than snow. And he um, brings us to a right standing before him when we are repentant. And we can be justified as we experience God's forgiveness and cleansing. And that's what cleansing, and that's what repentance does. It um, allows, it brings God's forgiveness into our lives. And uh, this was illustrated to him um, and the people here. And then in verse 8, it says, I also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And as God's cleansing um, comes into our lives, I believe it should bring us to a place of readiness where we are willing to say, Here am I, send me. Use me for your work, God. And I want to look back there a little bit at verse, verse 3 again. These seraphims, they, they cried one to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And um, this word is used three times, holy, holy, holy. Uh, in, Hebrew, in Hebrew language, we understand when a word is used in repetition like that, it means something. It's means, mean, it, it adds extra to the, the meaning of the word. It, it holds an important value and it makes it stand out as something important or something special about it when it's used over and over again. Um, for example, if a stone, you call, you say a stone is a big stone, it means one thing. But if you say that stone is a big, big stone or a big, big, big stone, it means it's a huge mountain of stone. It's a gigantic boulder. Um, and Jesus, throughout his ministry, he used various phrases like verily, verily, and truly, truly, this I say unto you. And he used it in, you know, when he, when he used it twice, it, it really adds, added something. He underscored what he is about to say. He's, he, he meant, like, this is, this is important. Listen up. This is important. And this here, um, I believe the word holy is the only attribute of God that where it is used in the third degree three times in referring to God. God never says love, 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 or mercy, 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 or whatever, the attributes. And in this case here, it's holy, holy, holy. And, and uh, just emphasizing um, the state of completion and absoluteness of, of God. It's so, so amazing. Revelation chapter 4, um, it's another section there I'd like to look at. And uh, I want to read over that. It's referring... To, it doesn't mention seraphims, but it's referring to the same heavenly beings. Revelation chapter 4, and I want to read verses 8 to 11. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne 
saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And so here it seems to speak of the same beings back as, as it's back in Isaiah. And it clearly speaks of God's holiness, as the holiness of God. And it's, it, what I want to point out here in these verses is what it says there in verse 8. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty. So these beings are constantly, like that's, their, that's, their, uh, that's what they were created for, to rest not day and night and to declare, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That's just amazing to me as I think about God and his sovereignty created these beings and, and that's what they do. They rest not day and night and declare holy, holy is our God. <clears throat> and it's, you know, God, he's set apart. It, 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 uh, what it does is it reminds us of how God is set apart, how he is special. He is created, he, he is above all the created beings, even the glory of the angels. He is, is above all, all of them. And yet the, 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 uh, the special thing is that God asks each one of us who, who he created in, in, in his image, created in, in his image, asks each one of us to, um, to be set apart and to be holy. Even as we are so imperfect in our, in our fallen state, yet he asks us to be holy. And so this morning we looked a little bit at God's view of holiness. Now I want to second point our view of holiness. Um, and as I mentioned already before, what comes to your mind when you think of holy? Um, does it give you a bad taste maybe or does it is, is there a negative connotation to it when you think of holy? Or does it draw you to the character and nature of God? Um, much of the world, I think, today kind of doesn't like to be called holy. They kind of, kind of cringe, maybe. Or, um, and, and I think there's even, even Christians today that, that don't really uh, appreciate, maybe you could say, the word holy. Um, and so we may think, you know, we're, we're a sinner saved by grace, or um, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Um, maybe we think the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags, and, um, you know, maybe we don't want to be called that or don't feel like, like we can meet up to that. Um, or maybe that we think, you know, that it's only for those perfect, upright saints that are, um, can be called that. Um, is that how God wants us to feel? I, I don't believe it is. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So it's a requirement, whether we like it or not. It is a command. Um, it's God's word saying, speaking it to be holy. The word holy means pure, devoted, separated. Pure, devoted, separated. So if we look at it in that sense, it is something we can attain to. We can be separate from um, sin and the things, the, the, the lifestyle of sin and the, the, um, the unpure things of this world. We can be, uh, it's something we can attain to and we can be acceptable unto God. But it requires a renewing of the mind, as it says there in verse 2 of Romans 12. 
transformed by the renewing of our mind. Otherwise, we can't be holy. Without that transformation in our lives, Christ controlling our lives, we, we cannot be holy. Hagias is the word holy in Greek. It refers to the condition of being set apart, separated from others, different, reverent. It is a word whose highest meaning is found in referring to God and to objects and people that God has set apart for his own use and service. And if I'm not mistaken, I wrote down almost 40, there's probably more, 40 different things that uh, the Bible talks about that are, are holy. <clears throat> and, and so as we think about, um, about the word holy, thinking about uh, being pure in heart, being set apart, uh, being separated from the world. Um, it's, uh, you know, we are, we are in the world. Um, we are in the world not by choice. God placed us here on this earth. We are in the world, but we are not to be of the world and to indulge in the evil practices of the world, even though sometimes the world is inviting. There's so much that draws our attention and wants our attention in this world. And, and, but, but we need to, to stay away because m- many of them things are so unfulfilling and not um, going to help us in our relationship with Christ. <clears throat> but I believe if we are devoted to Christ, if we are, are allowing him to work in our lives, it'll draw us to him. It'll draw us away from the world and, and to him. Holiness is not determined by people being pleased, but it is meeting the expectations God sets for us. The expectations God sets for us, which is not perfection, I don't, I don't believe. And also, we cannot be holy by doing things, by putting up a front or making it look good to other people. That's not holiness. <clears throat> a, uh, I read somewhere... Um, there needs to be a separation between the holiness of God and the unholiness of man. So there's a separation. There needs to be a separation between a holy God and the sin of man. Never can they merge together um, because God has no part with sin. He is perfectly holy and just. And as I was thinking about that, you know, if there is a distance between God and man, if there's a distance that is called, that is um, in the way of is getting in the way of a close relationship. It's because of man pulling away and separating from God. Um, for example, we look in the Garden of Eden at the very the very first sin. We think of how great it was in the Garden before there was sin. It was perfection. It was um, just a, a union between God and man, and it was heaven on earth. It was beauty and. Man made that choice, and man made that choice, and it caused a separation, and it put man at a distance from, from God. But praise God this morning, there is a way. It is a way through Jesus Christ that he made it possible to draw us back to God. It's because of, of his sacrificial death on the cross. <clears throat> and as we think about, about that, uh, we think it, of it kind of as, it, as I mentioned it earlier, as a separation from, from um, the things of, this, of the flesh that try to draw our attention away from God and, 
and uh, calls us to do to uh, live the way we did not want to live. Um, and things that distance man from God so much. Uh, not not thinking of being holy so much as attaining perfection, if I can say it like that, or trying to meet a standard that we can never meet. Um, I'm not implying here that we should not seek perfection, um, but understand that God asked for our devotion. He asked for our allegiance and our following him, and he asked for our worship. So God created us with the ability to, um, to, uh, to learn, to improve, to, uh, you know, we can, we can grow, grow in our, in our Christian walk um, to, and achieve holiness. Um, and there's always room for improvement in our lives as we strive um, to live more and more like Jesus Christ in, in every area of our lives. So that brings us to the third point this morning, evidences of a living sacrifice. So we looked at um, God's view of holiness and, and our, what's our view of holiness. Now I want to look at what it means to be a holy living sacrifice. And, and uh, as I was thinking about God's holiness, his vastness and, and his greatness, um, it's, you know, as we think of these heavenly seraphims in Isaiah, um, as they, as they uh, were floating around, if you will, and, and, and flying around and praising God with these, they had, what do they have, six wings? And they're, it says, I think it says they covered their face and they covered their, their feet because of standing, because they were in the presence of, of a holy God. As we think about that and God's greatness and vastness, it's hard to... Um, wrap our minds around um, how big God is. Uh, but I had to think, what does, what does God want us to gleam from his holiness? What, is, what does he want us to see or understand about him? <clears throat> and there's, there's only a few times, or there's various places in, in scripture where it refers to God's, where you get, we, get, we get glimpses of the glory and the, and the majesty of God um, firsthand. There's places in, in the scripture, there's, uh, the transfiguration was one of them, where Moses and Elijah appeared and their, their garments became as shining, as shining white. Uh, the other one was Moses um, <clears throat> when he came up to the burning bush and God said, you're standing on holy ground, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. And there, it's throughout, throughout the Old Testament, God's, God um, descended on the, the tabernacle in the form of a cloud and presented himself in, um, in that way. And Stephen, when he was stoned, or as he was being stoned, he looked up and saw the glory of God, and he seen Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And just God making himself known to men. Um, throughout scripture. The shepherds was another one. He peer, appeared to the shepherds uh, when Jesus was born and, and uh, expressed his, his glory there. Um, there, was, there there's you know, th- these examples of people um, seeing with their own eyes 
And, you know, I had to think, why does God give us glimpses like that throughout, throughout Scripture? Maybe it's uh, to spark our interest. Uh, maybe it's um, to give us something to look forward to. Um, but I believe it is he does it there to remind us that we are not there yet. We are uh, living here on this earth in these bodies of flesh. Um, and, but someday they are to be changed. They will be changed. And um, as we are living here on this earth, before we get there, we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice um, that is holy, that is acceptable to God. And uh, with that means being transformed, transformed um, into his likeness. And that involves the new birth, that involves being born again um, and uh, not conforming to this world and having a renewing of the mind. A pilot was flying with a man that knew Jim Elliott one day, and they were flying over to the spot where Jim Elliott had died. And uh, they were flying over the spot, and the pilot uh, called out to this, this man that knew Jim Elliott, and he said, That's, that, that down there is the spot where Jim Elliott was killed. And uh, they flew around the area, and yep, that's the spot right there. He was trying to show him where he, where he was killed, where he had died. And the man that knew Jim Elliott replied, saying, that's not where, that's not where he died. And the pilot said again, that's the spot right there. I seen it. I was there. I picked up his body, and I was there to help take, this, um, take his body out. And the man replied, saying, no, that's not, that's not where he died. He died back at that country church years ago when he gave his heart and life to the Lord. That's where he died. And, you know, that's what this is all about. It is, it's about death to self, dying to self. It's, a, it's impossible to live a holy life without, um, to live a holy life and to be acceptable unto God without um, denying self. And that's the first action to um, a requirement to be a living sacrifice. So evidences of a living sacrifice is death to self. And, you know, how often does our inner, our inner man, our, our old man, come back and well up within us? And, and uh, you know, you know um, if we would, if we would uh, know or think that this is it, after we die, our life, our body would just go to the grave and, and that's it. If we would have that... Um, that, that thinking, that line of thinking, there would be no reason to, to deny self. We would just go and live in the pleasures of the world and, and do whatever we think is, is right, and um, there would be no um, denying self. And so that is, that is not what Paul said. Paul said, I die daily. Galatians 5.24 says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh, with the affections and lusts. There is no more. We have crucified the flesh. There should be no more of an attraction to, um, to go back to the way we had lived, to the things of the world. There should be no more of, it's a daily, it's a daily commitment um, in, in our lives. Um, death to self. Secondly, genuine Christian living. No one, not one person, is exempt from accountability. Um, as I, I, I read an article this past week um, about a well-known author, uh, a speaker, a well-known evangelist, 
and an apologist, uh, Ravi Zacharias, and uh, he was well known. He was lived, he was spoke on the radio different times, and um, I listened to various of his his uh, sermons. And um, yeah, he went around the world, all over the world, preaching, and many people came to came to Christ because of his uh, um, speaking. And he was well known for his apologetics, uh, apologetics, speaking to many college campuses and defense of Christianity. He was wa- very wise. Uh, he died last year, and. It was only after his death that news came out about, out about his horrific double standard lifestyle that he lived. I, I, yeah, the article that I read just made me sick to the stomach to think of the, the life that he, that he lived. It was a Christian article that wrote the story and I can't even describe um, everything here. But it, it was just, just the immoral lifestyle he lived, hiding and running, or hiding and and covering things up and just, just, just using his ministry to pay for his, his sins. And it's just, just sickening. And this, happened, this went on for many years. And the truth, the truth came out, just living a lie. And we think, you know, how can someone um, live that long in that kind of a, a profile, um, a speaker like that, and yet, and not get eaten up with guilt um, but, you know, we follow God. We don't follow man. We may be drawn to God through, through man, but we don't put faith in, in man. Uh, Luke eight seventeen says, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. So I say all that to say that a living sacrifice acceptable to God requires Christian, genuine Christian living. Thirdly, nonconformity. Uh, in the, I read in a commentary here the word world here is not the cosmos word that is normally associated with the, the, devil's, the devil's system, but the word world here is an age or a period of time marked by wickedness and um, we, we uh, know and understand, if we're reading in the news or we, we hear about things, that the world is, is, is there's so much um, deception, and it seems like there is a great falling away. Um, more churches, uh, more, more uh, um, pastors are saying, not, not in our circles, of course, but more pastors are saying that God's word isn't really God's word. I read that recently again. Com- Making a statement coming out saying that that uh, God's word, the I'm sorry, the Bible isn't really God's word to, to men, and that's 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 so wrong. Um, it, the Bible, uh, or they might say the Bible is just a, a book written by a, a, a bunch of scholars that were, you know, that. Uh, but you know, all Scripture, Bible says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and. You know, I think more and more we need to be careful. We need to distance ourselves from the deceitfulness of man who try to take the word of God and to twist it and to make it sound like the, what they want to hear. And as we know, in the last days, we will, we will uh, hear more and more of that. Um, there will be a great falling away, the Bible says, and so we need to be so careful. And so, as we think about being transformed, transformed by the renewing of our minds, I think 
Um, we will eventually become sacrifices without even knowing it. Do you ever think about that? As we think about being a living sacrifice, you know, a sacrifice involves giving up of something. When you sacrifice, you are giving up something for someone else. And so um, we think about a living sacrifice. As we, if, if we are a living sacrifice, we do it over and over and over again, and it soon becomes like we don't even think about it. We're, we're a living, it's our lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And, and you know, eventually it will change our inner wants and desires uh, and begin to feel like we're not really giving anything up. We're actually getting something. We're receiving a blessing from, from being that living sacrifice. And, and, so, and, and so it begins to be a desire of ours to be that living sacrifice. Um, when we have the mind of Christ. <clears throat> and so it won't begin to, to look as much of a sacrifice, but we'll be fulfilled and we'll, we'll, we will enjoy doing it. We will enjoy being a living sacrifice. And so in conclusion, um, we could go to 1 Peter chapter 1, but I don't think we will do that. Maybe you can do that later. Uh, sometime 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, 13 to 21, it's a call for holy living. And, and in, I think it's verse 16 that says, um, be ye holy, for I am holy. And so I praise God that we can be holy and we can meet up to God's standards um, that God so desires of us. And so think about that this week um, as you go out throughout the week. Um, the expectations that God asks us to meet, um, that he wants us to, uh, the, the life that he wants us to live, and also um, think about, along with that, think about the ability that God has given us to meet those expectations that he requires of us. Um, he does give us the ability to do that, and it's because of Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed uh, for us, and someday, if we remain true to him, we, re we remain committed to him, we will witness the glory of God. Ain't that amazing? Someday we will witness the glory of God in, it, in its fullest form in heaven when he calls us um, to come home. But until then, we need to remain committed to him. We need to repent of our sin and be drawn close to him and uh, have a renewing of our mind and, have, and, and having our minds becoming becoming transformed, and we're going to see firsthand our Savior, Jesus Christ, and our Redeemer, who made it possible that we can stand before God justified. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning. Um, we are humbled before you as we uh, looked into your greatness and your majesty and your holiness. And Lord, as we think about um, this, this holiness, the, the, what you ask of us, Lord. We want our hearts to be um, pure in heart before you. And Lord, we know that you um, ask for our allegiance to you, for our surrender um, to you. And uh, Lord, we want to give you our all as we serve you. And um, we just look forward to the day, Lord, when we can experience your ultimate glory. We can be gathered around the throne and we can worship you for all of eternity. Lord, thank you for these glimpses that, that we see in your word 
of firsthand experiences. And we uh, praise you. We want to serve you, Lord. We know that you are real. You're in control. And we uh, want to give our all and our life to you. Thank you for Jesus, for coming to this earth, for dying for us and making it possible that we can be justified and that we can stand in your presence redeemed. We pray, Lord, as we go from here and we go throughout this week, that we would live lives, holy lives, and we would be living sacrifices for you. We love you want to serve you. In your name I pray. Amen.